Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm your guest host, Deb Hutton, and it is that time for our smart speakers. I am joined by Matt Gurney, journalist and co-founder of The Line, an online magazine. Jamie Ellerton, founding partner at Canaptis and longtime political strategist, and Scott Reed, CTV political analyst and former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin and others. So breaking news I never thought was going to happen. We are on the eve of Olivia Chow's personal budget as mayor. And ding, 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 the federal government says it is giving $362.4 million in refugee support to Quebec and uh, Ontario, Toronto, essentially. Now, they did say that Ontario... They, they did not say what Ontario is getting, what Toronto is getting specifically. Here is Immigration Minister Mark Miller when he was asked if this will give the $250 million that Olivia Chow says she needs, or else you and I are going to have a 6% property tax increase on top of the 10.5% property tax increase. This is something that people will know in the coming days. Uh, we're always willing to right, sit what's down. What's message to the City of Toronto today? Well, the City of Toronto will be getting a significant amount of this. Uh, I have nothing to do with a federal levy. You can call uh, a, tax, a municipal tax, whatever, whatever you want. It's still uh, a municipal tax. But there will be significant amounts announced in the coming days. So, uh, Matt Gurney, I'm going to start with you. I don't know exactly why he wouldn't say... Toronto share is whatever Toronto share is and leave the tax hike that will be or won't be to Olivia Chow. Yeah, I, I don't know about that either. I mean, Deb, I confess, I, I find this a little head scratching. You, you had said a minute ago that uh, you never thought the day would come. I absolutely thought the feds would step up with some money here. And I and I think Olivia Chow had some uh, political opportunity here. But I also think she had a, a reasonably good case to make. Like, I think it was relatively fair for her to say that, you know, Canada's generosity allowing people in, which I, I broadly support, had costs. And we need to figure that out. But I was talking, I, I confess this, I was talking about with Scott Reed just before we came on the air. And one of the things we we're kicking around here is just the timing of it. So I'm not shocked that it happened. I knew the bucks would come forward eventually. And I suspect Chow aimed high with a quarter billion bucks. Like, I'm sure she was willing to come down from that figure here. But today is the only real question I have. Why Why announce it today as opposed to two weeks ago or, hey, a couple of months from now? Yeah. And, and to be fair, I never thought I would see it because I was talking about it today. And I thought there's no way she's getting the money. You know, she said yesterday, 48 hours out, she hadn't heard from the feds yet. I thought, well, today for sure, if they haven't announced it, they won't announce it. What's that all about, Scott Reed? Well, I think she's, they're not announcing it. There's only two explanations. One, it's because this is a Russian panic decision where they said, you know what, we just got to throw some money at them. Our Toronto caucus is freaking out and she won. She just arm wrestled us in public and she pinned us, which I don't understand because the polling would have to be a lot different than what I would expect it to be. Um, because I just think that if you're going to raise taxes by 16.5% uh, as mayor, you're going to wear that. And uh, so I'm, 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 I'm puzzled by that. The other possibility of course, is that the mayor and the mayor's office said, don't announce it. We we want you to announce that you're coming with a bucket full of cash. Don't give the specifics. We want to fill in the coloring in the mayor's budget, which even implies a greater level of coordination and conciliation on the part of the federal government. All of which is to say, like, let's just cut through the political crap. First, 
the federal government should be chipping in more. Okay, so I believe that very strongly. I don't like all these one-off deals and all this political brinkmanship stuff, but they should be paying more. Two, I don't understand why the federal government would give Olivia Chow this win. I would give them more money. I would give her more money, but I would do it two months from now, as Matt said. I wouldn't do it now. I like To me, it just screams political weakness and desperation and fear. You're going to let Olivia Chow flip you like this in public? So what you're going to do next, if this is how you're going to work, it's one-off deals on file by file, you know, refugees now, what, it'll be libraries and parks tomorrow. Like she's going to roll you over and over and over again. I don't understand the politics of it internally. I think the federal government, you know, they went eyeball to eyeball and the federal government said blink. Yeah. And or, you know, a while ago, either to your point, Scott, two months from now or back when it first became an issue, because they've, I think had a little bit of political capital spent uh, on the notion that they have so many liberals in this city, Jamie, and yet there seems to be a pretty common wisdom that refugee housing claims should be paid for by the federal government. You see, Deb, my co-panelists here, though, are leaving the elephant in the room out of the conversation. Quebec Premier Francois Legault ah. started screaming about this two weeks ago and setting more. So that's after you'd already had Mayor Chow saying we needed this for the past several months. And so the only actual calculus is to change this to why now is because Premier Quebec Premier Francois Legault is asking for it. And Tonda McCharles in the report from the Toronto Star says, other than Quebec share, immediate breakdowns for the hardest hit cities and regions were not available. So I actually agree with Scott. This was rushed and this is kind of like the political brinksmanship that, and it's almost a sign of weakness coming from Trudeau's Ottawa. But let's not do the uh, most stereotypical Torontonians and thinking we're the center of the universe. This is actually not to do with Toronto. This is because Quebec and because this is now a bigger national program in the coming days and weeks, they're going to figure out what the Ontario share is and how that gets divvied up between Toronto and other municipalities in the GTA. Let's stick Except with Legault has never had less leverage. Legault has never been weaker. He's running brutally behind in the polls. Yeah. So I don't understand it. Scott, well, I don't disagree, but the Montreal caucus has definitely been hearing it as a result of what's been going on in Quebec, the same way any other time this federal government has caved to Legault as a result of Roxham Road and the politics of immigration and refugees specifically, they bend over backwards for Quebec every single time. So that's the only calculus that's changed in the past two weeks. I don't for a second think this has to do with the mayor's budget being dropped tomorrow. And speaking of the mayor's budget being dropped tomorrow, I'm going to let uh, you guys decide. Do you want to say what you think will come out of the budget tomorrow that's different from what we heard from the staff budget? Or do you want to say what you would like to come out of it? I'll start with you, Matt Gurney. Take your pick. Okay. First of all, I just want to say, Scott, you used the Dean Rusk Cuban missile eyeball to eyeball thing. I was thinking about doing it. You did it. I wish now that I had done it because I love that saying. Here's my one request for the budget tomorrow. Please, for the love of God, fix the roads. Like, I don't care how much money we need to throw at it. I live uh, a stone's throw from Eglinton. Scott, I don't think you're that far away from Eglinton either. So we're getting the worst of crosstown construction combined with deferred maintenance here. Driving down Eglinton is destroying my car, and it's also just sapping my will to live. I really want them to just fix the damn roads. Jamie Ellerton. Yeah, I almost want to see a sense of humility from Olivia Chow. I think she's talked actually quite effectively to all the challenges and the funding sources that the city faces. Uh, I think the mayor has shown that she can grow beyond her kind of like core political base and how she's operating. And so I hope we see a true like citywide. Here's how we're going to fix Toronto and less say pandering to progressives. Scott Reid. 
Uh, who cares what I want? Yeah, I'm in agreement on the Edmonton thing. I'd, I'd, I'd like to turn all those empty uh, subway stations that aren't being used into housing, but um, <laughs> because the crackdown isn't running. Uh, but um, I think what we're going to get is a mayor who will recognize she was handed a huge victory today. And whether it was expected or not, I think she's going to take the football and dunk it on the five-yard line and go get a load of me and kiss both her biceps. I don't think there's going to be any humility, Jamie. I think she's going to say, I told them they needed to belly up. They did belly up. I won. We're right. And as a consequence, I'm not going to have to raise your taxes just as much. Now, please, please spread grapes and leaves in front of me because Caesar won. I think that's how this is going to go down. Uh, 10 seconds for each of you. I'll start with you, Matt. Will the police budget get that extra 12 million, yay or nay? Yeah, I think it will. Jamie? Uh, somewhere in the middle, but it'll go up for sure. Scott Reed? No way. No way. Scott she's and I not are in agreement. Get, she's not get... I think it's wrong. No but... way she's going to. Myron Demke was all over. I bumped into yesterday at CP24. He's all over in public, standing on the soapbox, telling her what she needed to do. She's not going to blink. She's not going to say, you know what, Mayor, when you yell loud enough, I say yes. She's not going to give it to him. I'm with Scott on this. Coming up after the break, we will be joined still by Matt Gurney, Jamie Ellerton, and Scott Reed. You're listening to The Rush. I'm your guest host, Deb Hutton, on News Talk 1010. Welcome back, Toronto. You're listening to The Rush. I'm your guest host, Deb Hutton, and it's the Smart Speakers series this afternoon. And it is Matt Gurney, journalist and co-founder of The Line, an online magazine, Jamie Ellerton, founding partner at Canaptis and longtime political strategist, and Scott Reed, CTV political analyst and former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin and others. So this morning, uh, the Premier and the Federal Public Safety Minister were out talking about auto theft and uh, their version of what we can do to combat it. In the course of that, the Premier was asked about raising post-secondary tuition in Ontario. Just to recap, 2019, the Ford government reduced tuitions by 10% and then froze them. And that freeze has continued right through until now. The universities are calling for an ability to raise tuitions. Uh, the government's own panel on post-secondary education called for an end to the freeze. Matt Gurney, I'm going to start with you. The pro the premier has said no, keeping the freeze, not at the time. What do you think? You know what? Something has to give. And I, you know, with, with Ford, it's, I mean, it's hard to imagine what position he's going to hold 12 hours, hours after he takes whatever position he has right now. So, <laughs> so who knows what's actually going to happen, but um, look, we can fund the education system three ways, post-secondary education system with tuition, with uh, subsidies, transfers from the government, or with the rates we've been charging international students, which are just exorbitant compared to what we charge domestic students. And I'm not like necessarily morally opposed to that. Like if, if we want to decide that what we're going to do is totally bilk the uh, the, the foreign students who, who come here so that we can keep domestic tuition low. Yeah. Okay. Like whatever, like that's a decision we can make, I guess, but we're going to have to kind of pick between one of these three options or some combination 
combination thereof. The international student racket that the provinces have been running using international students to pay for everything else is causing us other problems. The federal government has rightly stepped in to tap that down. It's up to Doug to decide whether or not he wants to raise tuition on uh, local kids or step up with just some direct cash transfers. I don't care what he picks. I just want to see him pick something and then probably change his mind a bunch of times and eventually settle on whatever it is he'll actually stick with. Jamie Ellerton, I uh, I actually think it's ridiculous to continue the freeze on tuition. Uh, I think that, you know, you don't have to go hog wild, but to, to reduce something by 10% and then four years later still have it set at that amount is, I don't think, sustainable. I don't think it is sustainable. And I think when you're hearing the pre the groundwork today, as Matt so eloquently said, is this next policy reversal because he's almost now giving incentive to every single college and university administrator to put the case forward of all the things they're going to have to cut if Doug Ford doesn't step up with more money somehow, whether that's, as Matt just said, tuition directly paid by students from across Canada who come and study in Ontario, or to keep bringing in more foreign students to study at our universities and colleges. And I would say from the Canadian standpoint, there's probably an argument to be made to bring in more foreign students because even international students, the tuition levels they're paying in Ontario is still less than what they'd be paying at a comparable college or university in the United States. So international students who have the money feel like they're getting a good deal, which is why I think they're coming here. And when you look at those precious uh, now visa slots available based off what the federal government's done to step in, there's no reason why they can't shut down all the strip mall bogage colleges uh, strip all bogus, bogus colleges and instead put them all into the actual public university systems and, and find a way to have it here. But by punting on this, he's just setting up uh, more political pressure and uh, a chance for others to try and play him to ultimately get what they want. Scott Reed. Yeah, that visa change means that the university have just been handed golden tickets and uh, they should make use of them and the province should permit them to make use of them because they've ripped out, as Jamie says, all, all, all of the uh, all the trash. So if you're a legitimate institution um, and those students want to come here, then let's uh, let, let's let's charge an appropriate freight uh, tuition should go up. It should probably be structured. You don't want to give it, uh, you know, carte blanche. So, you know, maybe sort of put together a schedule of uh, acceptable uh, ranges that can be raised over X number of months, perhaps distinguish or X number of years, and perhaps distinguish them between size of university and uh, scale of university. But the whole university sector has got to be rethunk too. I mean, I'm an adjunct prof at Queens. I'll just pause for applause there. You guys can say, oh, that's incredible, Scott. Like, no wonder. Um, but I think these universities have got to be administrated differently than they were for the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and I'm not asking them to carve things out. I'm not asking them to kill off things that matter and traditions that matter. But I think the whole sector has to be approach with a fresh eye and you can't get that discussion going in an honest way if you're going to say no to even these basic fair fundamental tuition increases permit that to happen and then force the universities to have the discussion that needs to occur as to how we reshape and refocus ourselves for the decades ahead Ozempic is a drug that is on the rise. It was first introduced as a way to combat uh, type 2 diabetes. It has now become a weight loss drug. As of today, the Ontario government says if you are getting your Ozempic paid for by the Ontario Drug Benefit Plan and it is not for type 2 diabetes, I'm sorry, you have to pay for it yourself. Matt Gurney, good decision? 
bad decision. I guess so. I mean, uh, the important context here is that like Zempic is, as, as you've noted, Deb, it is typically used to treat type uh, type 2 diabetes, and there are shortages of it all across North America, and, the, and there are shortages of it because Zempic has, as a side effect, uh, weight loss benefits, and people have been using it as a weight loss drug. And in general, I'm in favor of that, right? We all know the public health and emotional uh, toll of, of obesity, and if Zempic is an effective treatment for it, that's fine. But the problem is, and there actually is someone in my family who is in this situation where they've actually been prescribed a Zempic for years for treatment of a medical condition, and their access to it has been disrupted by the sudden explosion in demand. So I get it. It's important. I would like to think eventually the market will smooth this out and there will be enough Zempic to go around. And I also know that there are other similar drugs that are being considered, uh, maybe to be used specifically in the weight loss context. So this is probably only going to need to be a temporary measure, but you can't tell someone who's managing their type 2 diabetes that they can't get their medicine this month because it became a fad on TikTok. Like, it's just not sustainable. Jamie Ellerton, we had calls earlier when I, I addressed this issue with our listeners, and exactly that happened. Her husband been on it, and all of a sudden there was a shortage. Yeah, I think if you are taking Ozempic for actual medical reasons like type 2 diabetes, which is far more of a serious issue than, say, your personal aesthetics as to how you're uh, shaped and sized, uh, then I think definitely the, the system should prioritize those with type 2 diabetes that have actual medical necessity taking this uh, to get access to it. Uh, I, when you kind of go on a Zempic for more weight loss reasons, uh, how is it any different than like then should we start picking up gastric bypass surgeries on the public dime and other forms of plastic surgery because like it, it impacts your medical health? Uh, at some point, there's got to be some personal accountability there. So if there's an actual shortage, those with medical needs should be at the front of the line. Scott, apologies, 20 seconds. I thought the whole trick of government was to keep people fat and happy. This makes me fat and unhappy. Come on. I want the Ozempic for three meals a day. I should have gone with my instincts and just said, sorry, Scott, no time for your commentary. Gentlemen, thanks so much. Matt Gurney, Jamie Ellerton, and Scott Reed. Coming up after the break for news, we're going to revisit a conversation I had earlier this afternoon with Premier Doug Ford about his efforts in conjunction with the federal government to stop the theft of cars out of our driveways. You won't want to miss that. You're listening to Deb Hutton on The Rush.